I last visited with my father Sunday, February the 18th, and on the 21st of February, he was escorted by God's angels to the throne of God. Three years ago, Franklin Graham heard the news that his father had passed away. Today, we're getting a behind-the-scenes look at the remarkable ways God moved through the life and death of Billy Graham from those who had a front-row seat. I think we all realized that this was way bigger than any of us, <laughs> and we really needed God's help. I lift my hands and say that I need you. I lift my heart and say You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Billy Graham devoted himself to pointing people to Jesus Christ. And even after his death, his life and ministry continue to share the gospel. You're going to hear family, friends, and colleagues talk about that on this episode of GPS. You're also going to hear from Mr. Graham himself. You know, my whole life has been to please the Lord and to honor Jesus, not to see me, uh, to think of me. Because Billy Graham had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, he knew he was going to heaven when he died. You can have that same assurance. Learn more about it by visiting us online at findpeacewithgod.net or you can call our 24-hour prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. Both that number and the website I just mentioned are in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. When I met Mr. Graham, he was in his like early 70s. That's Dr. Don Wilton. He is pastor of First Baptist Spartanburg in South Carolina. For three decades, he served as Billy Graham's personal pastor. By the time he met Mr. Graham, the evangelist had already spent most of his life traveling the world, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to millions of people. So the Lord gave to me the privilege of holding his hand in this extended journey into heaven. And he actually used that word. He, he actually said that to me one time. He said, Don, I want you to hold my hand as I journey into heaven. As Mr. Graham grew older, Don Wilton watched him increasingly look forward to a new life in heaven, particularly after his wife, Ruth Bell Graham, passed away in 2007. When Mrs. Graham uh, was picked up by the angels and taken into the presence of the Lord Jesus, I saw and heard and talked uh, for days and months on end about the reality of heaven uh, because she He loved her so much uh, until he was reunited with her. It was one of the joys we talked about when Mr. Graham was seated at the feast table of the king. Uh, I think Mrs. Graham was standing there saying, Billy, it's about time. And if you knew Mrs. Graham, that's very appropriate. And uh, he just loved her. But it translated itself into his passionate understanding of the reality of heaven. Don Wilton last saw his friend this side of heaven just three days before he died. They spent time together at Mr. Graham's cabin home in the mountains near Montreat, North Carolina. And before he died, three days before he died, holding his hand, he just put his head into my neck, put his hand over mine. He never preached, he never said anything, but 
God was there. Heaven was right in that room. That same weekend, Franklin Graham drove up the mountain to visit his father. I last visited with my father Sunday, February the 18th. And on the 21st of February, he was escorted by God's angels to the throne of God. And I can only imagine what it was like for my father to step into heaven. And there was the Lord Jesus Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant. There was the throne of God. Can you just imagine that? My mother, his mother, father, friends, clapping, cheering, bells ringing, trumpets blowing. Not because it was Billy Graham. It's just another child of God has come home. Another child of God. Franklin was in Dallas when he got word that his father had passed away. After he got that call, he had his own phone calls to make to siblings, grandchildren, and other relatives. A plan was already in place for informing the news media. Millions of people around the world had been touched by Billy Graham's ministry from the 1940s right up to the day he died. Years earlier, his family had begun working with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association to plan for his eventual passing. I think we all realized that this was way bigger than any of us, and we really needed God's help. Karen Stone was the administrative coordinator for Mr. Graham's memorial events. Long before he passed away, she and her team had been planning for what would happen next. There were pages and pages of plans and protocols, but there were also plenty of variables that just couldn't be figured out in advance, like the time of year, the weather, or the travel itineraries for several thousand funeral guests. And those guests ranged from local pastors to international celebrities. With so much to coordinate and so much out of their control, Karen and her team relied on prayer. We had not only volunteers, you know, out with the public doing things um, to help the project move along, but we also had a 24-7 prayer team of volunteers and staff who were taking time in four-hour blocks to pray for the project, pray for people. And they were here 24-7, just bathing this project in prayer. And I don't think we could have done anything that we did without that prayer covering. Work continued around the clock for 10 days. Karen remembers one night in particular when that 24-7 prayer team came by at just the right time. They would actually come and walk through the halls Um, of the building while we were working. And I remember one night just being inundated with just work and trying to get everything done. And two people stopped by where we were working and they just stopped and prayed for us. And just how that helped to refocus and to be able to um, get the things accomplished that we needed to do, knowing that people were praying for us. Having been here at the headquarters of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association during that time, we can tell you that even in the midst of grieving the loss of our founder, there was a quiet sense of urgency. We all knew there was much to accomplish. Yeah, I've never experienced anything like it, Jim. We all knew this was a historic time. And more importantly, we all knew that Mr. Graham's memorial events were ultimately not about him, but about Jesus. We realized that... Mr. Graham had completely devoted his life to spreading the gospel, and that was, you know, his mission, and we were here to support that. And so it was, 
I think paramount that we were able to get the gospel out there first and foremost, because Mr. Graham, that's what he would have wanted, um, even in his death, that the gospel would be spread. That even in his death, the gospel would be spread. That was Mr. Graham's longtime prayer. And in the days following his death, God powerfully answered that prayer again and again. Now you're looking at this live picture. This is Uptown Charlotte. The Saturday after Mr. Graham's passing, a motorcade carrying his body across western North Carolina marked the first public memorial event. It's been overwhelming to watch, really, as this day has gone on to see the line of people and the number of people that have just grown um, all along the way. He was a farm boy from Charlotte, North Carolina, and now the world is watching as his body is laid to rest. Thousands of people lined the route. It went approximately 120 miles from the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove in Asheville, near Mr. Graham's home, to the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte. The city where he was born and raised would now be his final resting place. Thousands of others watched the motorcade live online. It was an unforgettable sight. We saw groups of people gathered on every overpass along the way. A lot of them were waving and holding thank you signs and posters with Bible verses like, well done, good and faithful servant. Crowds filled tiny towns and the city of Charlotte alike. I think that that was so special. The time that it happened, um, the technology that was in place to be able to show that to the world for families to um, be involved in that. It was really history um, that they were able to participate in. And I can't imagine um, the conversations that that probably, you know, prompted for families. There's kids out there that probably had never heard Mr. Graham's name, and this was an opportunity for parents or grandparents to um, tell about him, about his commitment to the gospel, and um, just what they had seen. Karen Stone says the next public event was a two-day period of lying in repose at the Billy Graham Library. Thousands of people streamed through Mr. Graham's childhood home to pay their respects. Among them, former presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, both of whom spoke about Mr. Graham's legacy of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. News outlets around the world covered these events, and it was impossible to cover Billy Graham's passing without talking about Jesus Christ. They were sharing the gospel and not even thinking twice about it. It was just really neat to see um, people talking about Jesus and, you know, salvation and all of these topics that are normally taboo, <laughs> just being um, talked about freely. And I, I just thought that was very exciting that it was that prevalent. Nobody seemed to care that we were saying Jesus and, uh, you know, presenting the gospel um, in a national and even worldwide way um, through those events. Next came an event that showed just how much of an impact this farm boy from North Carolina had on the nation and the world. On Wednesday, February 28th, one week after Billy Graham went to be with the Lord, his body arrived at the United States Capitol. 
The world was watching as Mr. Graham became only the fourth private citizen in history to lie in honor inside the Capitol Rotunda. The ceremony was attended by then-President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, along with members of the Supreme Court and Congress, both Democrats and Republicans. Every person who spoke clearly pointed to God as the author of Mr. Graham's remarkable life story. That history-making moment was followed by a public visitation at the Capitol. People from across the United States and around the world quietly filed past Mr. Graham's simple pine wood casket crafted by inmates at Angola Prison in Louisiana. Don Wilton. From every facet, the Spirit of the Lord was so evident in every aspect of a man's funeral service. And it has not stopped going to Charlotte, the motorcades flying to Washington with Mr. Graham's body, marching into the rotunda of the capital of the United States of America, watching, listening, being there as Michael W. Smith played just as I am before the justices of the Supreme Court and the President of the United States and members from both sides of the aisle. The final day of memorial events took place in front of the Billy Graham Library back in Charlotte. Its parking lot was transformed into a scene reminiscent of Mr. Graham's groundbreaking Los Angeles crusade that had occurred over 68 years earlier. Yeah, thousands of people, including the president and vice president, gathered under a huge white tent to remember the man known as God's ambassador. Millions were watching. Now, what you're about to hear is just a sampling of what they heard. We've gathered in this very beautiful place for a service of thanksgiving and celebration for the life of William Franklin Graham, Jr., better known to the world as Evangelist Billy Graham a preacher of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mr. Graham had a profound and deeply spiritual conviction concerning the Word of God, the Bible. He loved the Bible. It governed how he lived and it governed how he died. He believed that the Bible teaches us the truth about God in Christ Jesus. On February the 21st, heaven came down and took my brother from me. One day, heaven will come down and take me. And I know what he would want me to say today is heaven is coming again and would like to take you also. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain, and our hurt, God says, welcome home. And that invitation is open for you. That the whole world may hear of the gospel, that we as sinners, O oh God, should repent before the cross and invite Christ into our lives. And I believe God is saying, wake up, church. Wake up, world. Wake up, Anne. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned and we have all come short of God's standards, His glory. And the penalty of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death for eternity. The best news ever declared is that God 
so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. The good news of Jesus Christ ran through every prayer, every song, every message. To those closest to Mr. Graham, it was evident that the events surrounding his death had been orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. The motorcades, being at the library, listening to those amazing testimonies from those five Grahams that I will never forget, sensing the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus, Mr. Graham's life speaking, so to speak, from the grave, and the thousands upon thousands of people around the world listening to this testimony, to all these well-known and accomplished people who all arrived in Charlotte, went to the same little parking lots and got on the same shuttle buses to come in the, sit in the same little tent, all under the same roof, with one purpose in mind, and that is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ through the life and testimony of Dr. Billy Graham. What a privilege, and it's only just begun. Billy Graham's fervent prayer was that God would use him in his life and after his death to lead as many people as possible to the love of Jesus Christ. And even through this podcast, he would want you to know that God loves you and there is more to life than what you can see. As we look back on Mr. Graham's life, we want to honor him by pointing you to the love of Jesus Christ. Our website, findpeacewithgod.net, is based on the gospel message Mr. Graham preached. We invite you to visit that site right now or to share it with someone who needs the hope of Christ. Again, the address is findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, we'll give you a chance to hear one of the highlights of Mr. Graham's memorial service, a personal story of unconditional love that was shared by his youngest daughter. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I feel like I've been attending my own funeral. (laughs) Billy Graham, following speeches by several dignitaries at the dedication of the Billy Graham Library in 2007. This building behind me is just a building. It's an instrument. It's a tool for the gospel. The primary thing is the gospel of Christ. And pray that God will use this to speak to many people who come through this facility, not to see me, not to think of me. You know, my whole life has been to please the Lord and to honor Jesus. But I think of all the people that have worked and prayed through the years, and I want to thank them all. God bless you. You can learn more about Billy Graham's life and ministry at this website, memorial.billygram.org. That's memorial.billygram.org, and we have a link to that site in the show notes. On this episode of GPS, you've been hearing about some of the ways God moved in the events following Billy Graham's death three years ago this weekend. During his memorial service, each of his five children 
Gigi, and Ruth, Franklin, and Ned all shared poignant words about their father. For Ruth, it was an opportunity to talk about her father's unconditional love. She told the story of getting divorced and then remarrying after a whirlwind romance against her parents' advice. They said, honey, why don't you slow down? Let us wait to get to know this man. They had never been a single parent. They had never been divorced. What did they know? So being stubborn, willful, and sinful, I married a man, this man, on New Year's Eve. And within 24 hours, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. After five weeks, I fled. I was afraid of him. What was I going to do? I wanted to go talk to my mother and my father. It was a two-day drive. Questions swirled in my mind. What was I going to say to Daddy? What was I going to say to Mother? What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. What were they going to say to me? We're tired of fooling with you. We told you not to do it. You've embarrassed us. And let me tell you, you women will understand you don't want to embarrass your father. You really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. (laughs) And many of you know that we live on the side of a mountain. And as I wound myself up the mountain, I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, and my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, welcome home. There was no shame, there was no blame, there was no condemnation, just unconditional love. And you know, my father was not God, but he showed me what God was like that day. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain and our hurt, God says, welcome home. And that invitation is open for you. If you'd like to accept God's invitation to come home, We hope you'll take a minute right now to visit our website, findpeacewithgod.net. You'll find more there about how much God loves you, no matter what. You can even click to chat with one of our 24-7 online chat coaches if you have questions about faith or if you'd like someone to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of GPS. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.